What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. episode that I chose to feature or the interview for Black History Month is one episode 20 which was in solidarity with Jamel Hill. It's from back in September of 2017 when Hill had made some pointed comments about the racism and hypocrisy of the president Donald Trump and Donald Trump called for ESPN to fire her and we had a discussion about the tweets and about the badass awesomeness that is Jamel Hill, former guest on the podcast and friend of the show. And at that time, Shireen and I asked Amira Rose Davis to come on and talk to us about the history of the black sporting press and black journalism. I love this interview, not only because Amira Rose Davis is a, a brilliant historian and now our wonderful co-host, but also because of the way it highlights how her work and her research really contextualize and enriches our understanding of the contemporary. So have fun listening. We are thrilled today to have back on the show Dr. Amira Rose Davis, Assistant Professor of History and Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies at Penn State University an author of the forthcoming book, Can't Eat a Medal, The Lives and Labors of Black Women Athletes in the Age of Jim Crow. Amira, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me back. So happy to be here. So this episode is dedicated to the brave and besieged Jamel Hill. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to ask you, as a scholar of you know race and sport mm-hmm. and history, what was your reaction when you when you heard the White House calling for her for her firing? Yeah, pretty much my reaction to so much these days. I just wanted to put my head through a wall. It's unfortunate and somehow not at all surprising to me to find Jamel, who is amazing and really on the front lines of so much great sports journalism these days to be the epicenter of of a kind of war between the White House and ESPN and on p- political correctness and, you know, the labeling of white supremacy. And I say that because Jamel, by her very presence, makes people wildly uncomfortable. It's You can just do a quick survey through her mentions on a, on a Tuesday, on a random Tuesday of any month in the year, and find a level of hate and vitriol that that is just absolutely disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that was very clear to me in, in this, and even how we even got to the White House, is because there's people who pay attention to everything she says, just waiting to bite. It's like a 
pack of vultures circling above their prey. And I think that this has everything to do with the fact that she is a Black woman in an industry that has been largely and historically dominated by white voices, by male voices, and and she is completely unequivocally strong in asserting not only her expertise, you know, but that her presence there is not supposed to be an anomaly, that it's not by accident. And what results is this kind of feverish hate towards her as the stand-in and symbol of everybody else's projection. So Jamel represents it's not about Jamel. It's about political correctness gone awry. It's Jamel becomes a stand-in for everything that's that you know folks want to diagnose as the wrong you know parts of sports or this is why we need to stick to sports, and she has to carry that burden. So the fact that people are constantly looking at her mentions is what even got the attention. I mean. I don't even like to mention Clay Travis's name because I think that he just wants more attention. That That's his, like, ammo. But it's him amplifying, you know, her tweets and, and always monitoring them that got it picked up on a national level in the first place. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that, you know, the part about her making people uncomfortable because for me that's so much of what it is like when the dissenting voice is one of, you know, rising up and resisting against the systems of white supremacy. She's, she's called out. I mean, there's a lot of things that make me uncomfortable. Julie Stewart Banks was recently hired at Barstool. She called them geniuses. Like the people at Barstool, I'm like, what for their incredible developments in misogyny and racism? Right. Like what, what exactly, you know, and that makes me uncomfortable, but it also prioritize, who are we prioritizing and whose discomfort is more valued than others? And I think in, in this situation, Jamel speaking out and, and, and like, again, for me, seeing black women on the front lines all the time of trying to like press social change. Like when you see this and you see the criticism that she's receiving beyond criticism that others would get, like there was a piece actually out there about the, you know, historically we'll link it to the, to the show notes about historically, which people like Kurt Schilling said a whole bunch of horrible stuff, but he doesn't endure the layers of misogynoir that she has to deal with. So when you see this and you look at it, is this just you expect it at this point? Or is it part of the the routine that happens this cycle? I think that in a sad way, I I think it's par for course. And I think that that has a lot to do with how we have constructed sports as, you know, this kind of masculine escapism enterprise. And one of the things, you know, and I don't have to tell you guys this, but one of the things that commonly happens as a woman in, in sports media is a constant assertion that you just have a right to be there. Your mere bodily presence is offensive because you're, you know, impinging on a masculine space where men are going to escape their wives or girlfriends or, you know, whatever. And I think that that's compounded by the fact that she is a black woman because then you get exactly this misogynoir, you know, read onto that, where it's not just that they're saying, get out of the kitchen, you know, get out of the, the, get off the sports center and go back to the kitchen, but they're also saying, go back to Africa. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, I'm not surprised by it, because historically, we've seen 
the way that sports journalism and sporting spaces has tr- have tried and worked very hard at to keep them as kind of old boys clubs. And, and I say purposefully worked very hard at because I think there's a way in which we can point to low numbers of black women sports journalists or black male, you know, newscasters and whatnot and say, oh, there's just not an interest. The reason why we don't have more Jessica Mendoza's calling, you know, MLB games is because there's just not a lot of women who are into into sports like that. And that's really a kind of circular logic because what we know is that there's all of these apparatuses that have historically been in play to keep women and other marginalized co-populations out of various levels of sporting spaces, especially journalism, especially when it, you know, ESPN kind of blew up to be the the epicenter of sports media. And so like I, I think about the black women I study who played baseball and there's only three who played in the Negro League, but there was literally a gal file filled with letters from black women around the country who were asking to play. So if you just look at it and say, oh, only three women played baseball, so there wasn't an interest, you're missing the fact that there's actual barriers, you know, put in place to to keep the numbers that low. And I think that because of that, it isn't surprising that, you know, that Jamel makes people so uncomfortable. It's really kind of historically accurate. Well, speaking of history, I wanted to ask you, I mean, one of the things is that Jamel is entering into a mainstream white mm-hmm. sports media apparatus. What's happened historically with the with the African-American sporting press? It feels like there's not the same kinds of vibrancy in those areas right now, or are they just being so pushed aside? Mm-hmm. Precisely, I think that you're right on the nose here. The the black sporting press played such a vital role in so much of the mid 20th century. If you look to sports writers like Wendell Smith and Sam Lacey, I mean, people who are on the forefront of getting Jackie Robinson into Major League Baseball, right? Or having debates about if they should. I, I think that it's important to, you know, remember somebody like Effa Manley, who was one of the owners of the Newark Eagles, who was writing columns saying we shouldn't, you know, be happy about all this integration into major leagues because the major leagues are not honoring our contracts and are robbing us of our talent. And so I think that but there was a vibrancy there where these discussions were had, where the sports columns on the pages of the Afro-American or the Pittsburgh Courier, the Chicago Defender, were some of the most, you know, well-circulated and read places in, in Black newspapers. And one of the things that has happened as Black newspapers in, in the 70s and 80s really started to decline is you also have the decline of a kind of vibrant Black sports media. Now you do have the resurgence you know, with online forums like Black Sports Online, who do, I think, try to position themselves as a, a curation of the world of Black sports, looking at not only players, but sports journalists and, and whatnot. But I think that you're right, there's not um, kind of centralized, national, vibrant sports orientation just that's just for the black community i think you just find it in pockets so you find you know pockets of black twitter who discuss sports or you find the national association of black journalists this their sports wing is kind of vibrant and a network that we saw this week you know really coming to the defense of of jamel checking on her, standing by her, refusing to fill in, you know, for her, for other people who worked for ESPN. And I think that those connections in that 
community is still vitally important, especially when we think about access and continued access in all fields of sport. So I'm not just on the field, but in management, in journalism, in the broadcast booth. So yeah, but the the actual long history of Black sports writers, which include women, and include women dating back to the early 1900s, where there's women in sports columns in the Black press written by Black women athletes and geared really towards both women as fans and a broad audience. So within that tradition, you do have a long tradition of Black women as sports journalists. Again, because they're Black and they're women, you still have them in that space pushing for inclusion on the basis of their gender. But she comes from a long tradition of that. And and I think that in different ways we can see how that is maintained through these smaller connections, but there's not one central area now. I've been really happy to see the amount of solidarity. People are changing their display photos or avatars yes. on Twitter to her. People are wearing t-shirts. I want one of those t-shirts. Do oh, you have too. a Jamal t-shirt? And let's see if can we can. Can you send us some? <laughs> I'm like, listen, I want one. I just saw, who who just put the picture of I literally just saw it this morning when I first opened my eyes. Yeah, the burn it all down Twitter yes, uh, it's actually it's just, <laughs> just tweeted. And it was it, before we started recording. It was Lacia Clarendon, who's yes, actually yes, been on yes, our show. Right. And she was at the Billy screening, right? That yeah. was, yeah, yeah. precisely. So was, I want one. Hook yeah. me up. So we're going to, well, yeah, we got one. You got one. It's pretty curious. <laughs> so, well, well, but thank you so much for talking to us about this and your insight and your expertise is always, always appreciated. And well, it's always so a pleasure important. to talk to you. I wish that, you know, I, I wish that we didn't have to do a special episode on Jamel and how amazing she is and how ridiculous, you know, the fact that we're at a place where being labeled a racist or a white supremacist is somehow akin to somehow discriminatory is somehow you know the worst thing you can call somebody that necessitates all of this outrage over you know her talking factually with evidence (laughs) on her private twitter feed and it's infuriating that those are the circumstances but i always love talking to you guys so i will take them in this in this case and i hope that the solidarity continues because she is definitely going to remain in the crosshairs. She's such a, a lightning rod. And part of the thing that I take away from all of this that, that really pissed me off the way ESPN handled it is it's just emboldening the people that sit in her mentions all day and hurl hate at her. And, you know, if they're not going to back up their employee, if they're not going to protect her, it takes all of this kind of solidarity to say, listen, she's a gem. She's brilliant. She does her job and does it well. She is a torchbearer for Black women in this industry, and we stand by her, and I stand with Jamel. Yeah, absolutely. We stand with Jamel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, we love you, and we're honored to have you on the show. And I'll suck you up.